Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org, K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. So practice, you got to do practice, I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being gone. It's more like an ability to let go. She said I should introduce Bob. Um, <laughs> Bob and I met because both of our photos are on the wall at the post office. <laughs> Most wanted, you know. And uh, actually I first met Bob and Nina on the ridge in Almora in 1971, yes. right? 1971, Ramdas and I and a few others were on our way up further into the mountains and uh, somehow, I, we didn't have phones, we didn't we have iPhones. How did we? Well, it was by accident. We it was by accident. Oh, we were there accident. in our van, we had a Volkswagen van at the time, yeah, and yeah. these two kids in the car. Yeah. And we were there shopping, you know, coming down from Cranks Ridge where we Cranks lived. Cranks Ridge, yeah. Govinda. Yeah. And you guys were there on your way to... Uh, our way to Kosani. That's right, Kosani, where you were having a retreat, and there we all met. Yeah, yeah really we spent fun. the whole rainy season up there. You guys were all wearing white. And white, my yeah, You were like white. so pure. We were like amazed how pure you were. I wore white for maybe one minute. <laughs> and we had this car on this thing, and there were a lot of hippies there at the time. Yeah, yeah. And so we were actually the local ambulance. Whatever things would go wrong, we would drive them to the hospital in Nanitown. Oh, yeah, right. But I think that was not one of those voyages. Right, right. It was a wild time. There were a lot of the Westerners in India, everybody would go to see teachers, different teachers. And then when the seasons changed, all these different people would meet in the cities on their way somewhere else and exchange information and this kind of stuff. And then you would go off in a different direction and everything. It was at a an incredible amount of beautiful seeds were were planted in those days. It was amazing. Just amazing. You saw who? Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I think I'll go over there. Okay, yeah. I'm going to go see that one and this one. It was amazing. Yeah, and great times. And uh, the first wave of, of Tibetans were coming out of Tibet at that time. Maybe not the first wave, but a very large amount of, of Tibetans were coming out for, for the first time. And uh, it was incredible. Uh, I was in Bodh Gaya at that time, and I remember Lama Yeshi and Lama Zopa just walking down the road from, from Gaya, you know? It was amazing. Such wonderful, wonderful time. So Bob is, Bob is one of His Holiness the Dalai Lama's closest and oldest disciples, especially Western disciples. He's known His Holiness for so many years. and. Uh, He's a master of all the different schools of philosophy. And when he talks, it's what comes, it just comes through. I mean, there's no 
I don't think he's editing at all. It's just pouring through and it comes from such a beautiful space, it's extraordinary. So uh, I know that you really appreciate that this weekend. But, uh, you know, it's a loving kindness weekend. One time I introduced the Dalai Lama at Sanders Theater at Harvard yeah. when he first came to America. And I gave a big thing about Avalokiteshvara, the thousand arms, yeah, yeah. eleven heads, and I gave a huge thing like that. Then he came out, you know, and people were applauding, you know, how we have to introduce somebody. And he walked out, and as he walked by me, he paused, you know, where we shook hands, and he said, Sis, don't overintroduce me. Don't overintroduce me, he said. Don't overintroduce me because I might disgrace you. <laughs> All right. So I do remember that time uh, very vividly. Actually, also at that time, the Bangladesh atrocities were going on, and Russia and China were having a war, and Richard Nixon locked up a lot of people in the Washington stadium, Allen Ginsberg showed up, and it was like, a, it was kind of world crisis time, you know, mm. almost like now, you know, because Nixon was riding high at that time, 71. And somehow in, the, in that place, you didn't feel that, and you felt completely like you were near, you were on next, the ancient pilgrimage road to Mount Kailash, actually, mm. is what it was. So you really felt Shiva and Uma, and Nanda Devi Mountain and Trishul Mountain, the Shiva and Uma Mountains, were the highest mountains in India were there. Mm. And a uh, beautiful place that was, really amazing. And um, there was KD. But, but, but <laughs> then more recently, I re-met KD, and what I particularly love about KD is his devotion to Maharaji, to Nim Karoli Baba. And that's what we really share, is devotion to the Guru. Uh, my guru at the time was an old Mongolian. And um, I remember a dream that I had in that house in Almora, around the same time I met you, KD, where I was mad at my guru. Hmm. And I was telling him, like, what is this about, you know, the Buddhas having all these emanations? You know, in the Mahayana, they have the idea of what's called the emanation body, where all these bodhisattvas go to help all the beings as, you know, as much as they need to, need help. I said, where, is, where are they? Why aren't they in Bangladesh? All these terrible things are going on in Bangladesh, you know. And the war is, looks like war is going to break out all over the place. And he didn't say anything. He was sitting on a, a stone kind of altar thing that was in the yard outside this house I was renting. And then he just got bigger and bigger and bigger. He looked very serious and grim, mm. but he never said, he never answered my challenge and my, my, my complaint, you know. Ah. Like, where's the love of all these enlightened beings, you mm. know? How ineffective is it, you know? Yeah. And um, he just got bigger and bigger. Finally, I was like a little angry flea, like below a knee, and he was blotting out all the mountains ah. in the dream, you know? Yeah. And then I woke up, yeah. but I wasn't all satisfied. So then actually later, <laughs> Actually, later, back in Amherst, yeah. Baba Ramdas came back not very long after that, yeah. a little, little next year or the following year. Mm -hmm. And he told the story in a talk at Smith College where he said, he said to Maharaji, like, what is this Maharaji? Mm, yeah. This is horrible, all that stuff that's going on there. And Maharaji said to him, don't you see it's all perfect? Yeah. And, then, and then Ramdas said, well, yeah, it's perfect, but it stinks. <laughs> he said. 
So I remember that, that's where I really got to love Baba Ram Dass, actually, because actually I knew him many years before, since the 50s, in Cambridge at Harvard, when he was Dr. Richard Alpert. I knew him from that time. So, you know, I didn't didn't really, that's when I first got, that's when I first got the whole Baba Ram Dass thing, a little bit taste of the Nim Karoli Baba thing. But in a way, I didn't really feel the real power of the love of Nim Karoli Baba until I met you. Uh-huh. Until you talked about it, and you, you know, it just comes tumbling out of your heart. You're giving me all this tumbling out of everything, everything. But tumbling out of your heart is the presence of Nim Karoli Baba, and the idea of love everybody, you know. Mm. And, uh, right? Speak the truth. When you told, we told Baba Ram Dass, yeah. right? Speak the truth. Mm. Love Speak everyone truth. and tell the truth. And love everyone. Right? Ram Dass said, the what? truth is I don't love everyone. <laughs> And that's what he said? He said, yeah. I know, I know. And so, but you know, he does, I think he does now. I think then he... Yeah, I think he's he said, finally worked his way through all of humanity. Working, and, working you know, on yeah, yeah. But I think we have to acknowledge that it's something truly amazing yeah. to have a super stroke like he had yeah. and to deal with a body that is really painful that he's dealing with, very fragile, so he could depart it, that he could depart the, what he calls the meat puppet. And the meat puppet, what yeah. he calls this, you know, he could depart at any time. And yet he considers that a gift of his guru. He considers that dealing with that, having to depend on others. Yeah. And then this is a key thing, I think. And I think for me, it's a theme for the weekend, and maybe it's out of left field. But for me, a key, a key theme for this workshop and working together with you is, you know, we are loved all of us so therefore nothing that happens to us is not something coming out of love from someone love in indian either buddhist or hindu idea is is not just the eros part but it doesn't exclude it which is the beautiful thing about india as it you know eros and agape you know in the west but they're kind of merged a little bit in india but love means the wish for the happiness of the beloved and everyone wants to be loved, right? Don't we all? Don't, anybody doesn't like being loved? Yeah. But actually we have a hard time receiving love. I myself will say that I'm one of those. You know, it's very difficult to receive it. So, Nim Karoli Baba definitely seems to have loved everyone. Buddha loves everyone. Avalokiteshvara loves everyone. Krishna loves everyone, etc. So, do we all feel loved? And when we really do, does it make us happy? Does it cheer us up? And how cheery are we? That's, that's, that's sort of my theme, okay? That's the theme, I think. I'll tell you how cheery I what? am. I'll tell you how cheery I am. How cheery are you? Before, when you said immeasurable love, I thought you said miserable love. <laughs> well, that's how cheery see, I am, goddammit. In, in this culture, you know, for, for, for people raised in Judaism and in Protestantism, you're only safe if you're miserable. Only what? Safe. Yeah. You're not safe unless you're miserable. Huh. So whenever I get carried away in a talk in any American audience, I always pause here and there to assure the, the people that I'm more miserable than they are, <laughs> actually. 
although I can sort of cheer up in order to sort of advocate it. Yes. Actually, of course, I'm miserable. Of course. That's and how so we, then that makes them feel a little better. Yeah, that's where we really meet. Work. I think we meet in our miserableness. We, we meet, yeah, we meet deeply yeah. in our miserableness. I think, yeah, we do. I think so. Yeah. We do. Just so you know. <laughs> I just want you to feel and understand you're not doing anything wrong when you're miserable. Right. So be happy. That's right. I was, you know, I've been, I've been studying a little bit about mindfulness. I was just in Sri Lanka. And so in honor of Sharon, actually, who Sharon is so wonderful. She comes to our little retreat place across the river called Menla, little tiny little place. But she comes every year a number of times, always. We've worked together for 20 years now. And, um, and uh, so in her honor, I've been reading the Mindfulness Sutta, you know, the, from mm. Pali, Theravada Sutta, right? And, um, and, um, and then I've been studying a little bit the mindfulness movement. But then one thing I noticed is when people say they're doing mindfulness, and you see pictures of them, you know, you, often in these corporations, they look like this. <laughs> and so <laughs> they look like if you're really mindful, then you should feel miserable. And, but I discovered in the Mindfulness Sutra that's not the case. That actually the Mindfulness Sutra, not only do you focus on the first noble truth of suffering in Buddhism, that everyone wrongly thinks is the whole thing about Buddhism, but the third noble truth, which is the truth of freedom from suffering. Happiness, actually, that means nirvana, you know. But the, again, Buddha, even it seems like Buddha wasn't Jewish and he wasn't Protestant, but he emphasized that truth of suffering to be safe. And even in, even in India, even in India, he didn't emphasize the nirvana. He just said nirvana, you know, right. freedom from suffering. He didn't mention right off right. freedom from suffering yeah. is bliss. Yeah. You know, because bliss is always dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that's all. That's all. That's yeah. all. You know, uh, speaking about the Four Noble Truths, Yes. Uh, my beloved friend Bernie Glassman, who recently left the body, yes, he used did. to speak of the Four Noble Opinions. Four Noble what? Opinions. A four Noble Opinions? Yes. That's okay. Because he said if it's a truth, there's nothing to discuss. You can't I know. Really get facts. into it. I like to call them facts. But if it's a, yeah, but if it's an opinion, you can really, you know, talk yeah. about it and work it out. So that's, that's, that's a okay. good thing. That's very Zen. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was a Zen master. What are you going to do? Anyway, one other thing. Was also, you know, luckily, Krishna Das can always shut me up. Two people in the world can. It's Krishna Das ah. and my wife. And I would yeah. never do it. I don't. She's want to a little more effective than you, actually. <laughs> yeah, but, much more. Yeah, got but, more uh, practice. But then, in relation to the weekend theme, that I want to also make Tara, the goddess Tara, who or the Bodhisattva slash goddess Tara who is a big, big painting. She's sitting there at a big painting on the wall in the dining room, in the middle of a round thing at one end of mm -hmm. the dining room, at this end of the dining room. And um, she is considered in Buddhism to be the incarnation of the miraculous power of all Buddhas. And um, Avalokiteshvara, her male counterpart, is the incarnation of compassion of all Buddhas. But compassion is not effective without her miraculous power. And um, there's, there's, a, there's a legend that, what, there are different legends about her, and I will tell more about them 
and the, and the time to come. But one of them is where he weeps because out of his compassion he wants beings to get better and he notices they just don't get better. They, they insist on causing themselves and others suffering all the time. And so he weeps and then the two tears transform into two taras. And they tell him not to weep. Naturally he's weeping because he's just a guy and guys can't really get that much done, <laughs> actually. They can have a good intention, but they're not that effective, you know. They're, re they're really not. And they bluster a lot, but they don't really get much done. And they said, but you know, we are the Shaktis. We have the power to accomplish something, and we'll take care of it. So mm. no need to weep, you know. Stop mm. blubbering, in other words. Yeah, no blubbering. And uh, so Tara is related to that in the Buddhist world, you know. Tara does. Mm. Okay. That's, yeah. that's me. Beautiful. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org. K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram.